What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. This is John Jackson Miller, author of Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, Knight Errant, Lost Tribe of the Sith, A New Dawn, Canto Bite, and Kenobi. And you're listening to The Living Force. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. These are your final steps, Ray. A Utini production. Bring back the balance, Ray, as I did. Episode number 52, The Rise of Skywalker Roundtable, Part 3. Find the light, Ray. On this episode, a self-isolation update. Every Jedi who ever lived, lives in you. Plus, new Utini podcasts. Ray, the Force will be with you. Always. And a roundtable conclusion to the Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition by Ray Carson. And I... I'm all the Jedi. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, and Dr. Charles Hankel. And Wes. Testing, testing. I got little bars. I got little, I got medium bars. I like, got bars. Ha- I got bars. Happily, happy sized bars. Like happy trees. Get happy a little happy bar here. here. A little happy vocal bar. A little happy vocal bar here. <laughs> but welcome to the happy bar that is the Living Force Podcast. Welcome to episode 52. Officially one year of weekly episodes. Holy crap, I did not realize that this was episode 52. We did it's it! It's been a year? A oh year! God. <laughs> it does not feel like it's been a year. It does not, but it is nonetheless. Welcome everyone, I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me as always are the doctors themselves. Dr. Corey Helton, hello! Hello. Man, 365 days of podcasting with you assholes. Alright! <laughs> we survived somehow. Dr. Charles Ankles here, hey buddy! Hey guys, happy birthday, Living Force. Happy birthday indeed, and to join us in this birthday is also Wes Jenkins. Hello, sir. What's up, team? Oh, Texas. And H-E-B, apparently. Yeah, and H-E-B, apparently. We'll talk about this later. She's <laughs> store in Texas. And, and hello from to- that day forward, Wes was exclusively referred to <laughs> as Howard E. Butts. Howard E. Butts <laughs> Jenkins. Uh, we also yes. have a ton of people in the chat right now. Uh, shout out to tons of our friends in there. We got Jose, we got Cheryl, we got Heather, we got Timothy, we got Camilla, we got T13. The, Timmy thirteen was it? He was in here. Uh, Toasted Zen. I forget. Carl's who he is here. In real life. <laughs> I always forget what people's usernames are because I'm terrible. But we're all here. We're so excited to have you here. We're so excited for this episode, which is our part three, our final episode. On the Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition by Ray Carson. This is our first ever three-part roundtable. We're going to be rounding out our thoughts about that in a little bit. 
But before that, as always, we have a few bits of business on this anniversary show of ours. First of all, we are all still in quarantine. If you're listening to this years in the future, in 2020, the entire world shut down for an indeterminate amount of time. And we're in the middle of it. So, guys, how we doing? What if somebody, like, that's listening to this has, like, found, like, a broken computer and a huge rubble in a crumpled post-apocalyptic <laughs> New York and they finally like got it to work with some hand crank gener- generator, and they're like, "What happened in the past?" And they hear our voices come on and say, "It was a quarantine, but it was fine. It was fine, but it wasn't. <laughs> but it wasn't <laughs> <fine>. We all <laughs> died. <laughs> Luckily, we had high speed internet and access to literally every kind of digital media that's ever existed. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, so I know you guys are working, but let's just do a quick update for folks. What are we? What are we playing? What are we watching? What's what's consuming the days? What are we up to? Well, I'm five on five off in work, which is pretty cool. Um, the five days are sometimes hard. I'm about to do a whole bunch of night shifts, so like the five <laughs> days are going to be extra hard. There's seventy hour weeks, um, but five days off after that is going to be rad. So um, today I'm starting my day. What us here. Today was my last day of my day five on, which is why I'm so happy and drinking wine. So that's great. <laughs> and you and what's the tell the folks the the game you've been playing continuously. You've been telling us a bit oh about it. Oh my god, I've been playing so much Astroneer, guys. It is so much fun. You can play it on Xbox or uh, PC. I've been playing it on PC, and there's cross platform play. So if you guys, you all have Xboxes, we should play Astroneer together. It's really fun. Astroneer, absolutely. Charles, how you holding up, man? I'm good. I'm on the five on five on uh, work plan where I just <laughs> I never leave. I I literally got home like ten minutes ago and hopped on to talk to you jerks. So oh good, um, it's going you fine. Time though. to shower. You probably have COVID all over your body. I might. There is COVID on this mic. Um, but yeah, it's good. I uh, I got a Nintendo Switch recently. That was partially a birthday gift for myself and partially a quarantine gift for Nicole because she's staying at home right now. Good man. And so we uh we've been playing all those kind of things. She's been killing Animal Crossing and uh like Super Smash Brothers and all that good stuff. Yeah, I've been noticing in our Discord channel, our video games channel has become <laughs> almost exclusively Animal Crossing. Uh, no. Every once in a while, some of us want to play some Battlefront, but it's lost in the turnip <laughs> price chat or whatever's going on. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that everyone's enjoying that quite a bit. Uh, West, it's such a it's such a happy game. I, I've heard right now. It's good. And someday I'll be happy. Caitlin is literally in the other room playing it. I hear it as in my. <laughs> you ne- you never rage quit Animal Crossing. No, it doesn't no, happen. rage quits. No, it doesn't happen. No, I just like hearing how how much debt people are in, how much bells. Like I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's like, "Yeah, I figured out the economy, and I only take his loans when I need them." I'm like, "Oh, cool. What's your loan up to?" He's like, two billion. it's a lot of fruit to sell yeah uh wes how's your quarantine going man quarantine's going good doing six days one off just the normal office work but now they just pile it on because they let some people go so they're handing out work like it's birthday cake Mm. um but i've been uh cake oh dude (laughs) like somebody's birthday it's like cookie cake on purpose that's Ooh. <laughs> from H E B naturally. I assume. I'm telling you that's where it's coming from. <laughs> and then um to supplement that I've been playing uh, a lot of modern warfare uh, Warzone. Yeah, which is nice. if somebody is is on my team and we're all mic'd up, it's me uh silent until you know, right before I die and it's a bunch of cursing. I'm not helpful at all. I'm not like, Oh, there's a guy on the roof. Make sure you get the guy on the roof and you and you pick up that ammo. It's more just 
Damn it, shit! And then that's it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that, that's a, that's a tactic. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think there's any other way to play Modern Warfare or no. any Call of Duty game for that matter. If you've never cursed in your life before, you need to play Modern Warfare, and you'd be like, "This is why they do it." These <laughs> ten-year-olds—they're awful. I swear to God. Uh, uh, I myself have been mixing up my gaming a bit. I am. Uh, I am off work. I am quarantining at home. My my services were not needed remotely or in person at my job, so I've been doing a a lot of Madden. Because now my sports are gone, so I'm living vicariously through that, still doing that. And I'm going to start streaming Battlefront this week. So if anyone nice. wants to hang out, I'm going to be putting it on uh, our Discord and on Twitter. I got my setup. I got my wires. So I'm going to do some Twitch streaming uh, probably Tuesdays and Thursdays. I think I'm going to start doing that for a few hours. So Excellent. Yeah. I'm free tomorrow, Eric. Let's play. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> Can I- a couple other updates. Uh, coming up on the podcast schedule, a quick calendar swap. Uh Previously, we have said that next week, April 20th, uh, slash, I guess, the 24th, whenever you listen to this podcast in audio format, we were going to do our Lost Stars roundtable. We are going to give ourselves one extra week. These roundtables, we love them. They're awesome. They take a bit more prep and a bit more work uh, to kind of put together. So in order to give you the best possible product on that, we are extending the deadline of Lost Stars to April 27th. So if you're reading, uh, listening to the audiobook to catch up with us, we love that. We are doing that as well. You have an extra week, April 27th. On that note, next Monday night, April 20th, we are going to do an all Q&A show. That's right, all question and answers. So later this week, we're going to make posts in our official Discord at utunity.com slash Discord. Or all throughout <clears throat> the week, you can tweet at us at Pod with questions. They can be anything Star Wars related, ideally, but they don't have to be. You can ask about our favorite grocery stores if you like Aldi or H-E-B. You can ask about <laughs> canon books, legends books, video games, whatever you want. Next week is just going to be a time for us to come here, hear your questions, really have yeah. a lot of fun, and kind of just breathe for a bit. So heads up on that. Q&A next week, and then we're hitting Lost Stars the week after that. Uh, as far as Patreon goes, you can go to patreon.com slash to support us. And we got a couple new patrons I wanted to highlight. We got Robert Trujillo. Uh, I believe is how you pronounce it. Thank you, man. We appreciate you. Welcome, welcome. And I think we called out Mark Wright a couple weeks ago, but just in case we didn't, I saw Mark Wright was a recent patron, so thank you so much. Uh, those guys are now getting Bounty Hunt, which is still coming out weekly. We're talking about the Clone Wars every single week on Patreon. Uh, we're going to be recording that soon this week for last week's episode. If you're on Patreon, you also got a new Legends Look Back episode today. The guys talked about Dark Empire, uh, which is... A classic legend story. Uh, so that is on your feed now. And if you're at the Inquisitorious level or above, last Wednesday you got episode one of the Ghost Crew with me and Charlie talking about Star Wars Rebels. This Wednesday you're getting episode two. Uh, and I'm really loving doing that show. The feedback from that show was really nice. was really sweet. And it made Charlie in my day. I, I fed all your comments back to her. Uh, and we really appreciate it. So keep your eyes out every Wednesday for that show. So we have like... At least two weekly podcasts in addition to this one, and like a bi-weekly slash once-a-month podcast with Legends Look Back. So, your quarantine content is coming, everyone. And if you are new and want these shows, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Every week we're talking about Star Wars Expanded Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes, and head over to utini.com, our website, for reviews, articles, comprehensive book profiles, and every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. Finally, before we get back into Rise of Skywalker, guys... At this point in the show, we always talk about book reviews, where you can go to utini.com and leave a book review for your favorite book. I wanted to call out uh, Emma, 
are Irma Jedi 26, Jorgen S, P Matty Ice, and Rob Nice. You have all reviewed the Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition on the site. So thank you. Emma, you gave it five stars. Jorgen gave it five stars. P Matty Ice gave it four stars. And Rob gave it four stars. Um, next week, we'll probably start reading some full reviews again. But I just wanted to shout them out for being first in the class. Or first four in the class, I suppose. For doing the homework assignment. That is reviewing the book when you're finished with it. So thank you all for your reviews. I'm pretty sure I don't even have a review on the website right now. You don't, Corey. Moving on. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yes, uh, if you want to add your own book reviews, utini.com, search for your book, scroll down to the bottom, add a star re- rating and a review. We're going to read it on this very show. All right, we talked about that. We talked about Patreon. Charles. For the last two weeks, you have held up this boat. You have gotten us to Exegol with your amazing questions about the Rise of Skywalker. Are you ready to finish this fight? No. All right. <laughs> do it anyway. Speak. That's it. That's it, guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, let's do it. We are let's a triad in the Force. We must. Yes. All right. So- Let's do it. I honestly, I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea what's about to happen right now. (laughs) I have no idea. We've never gone to a part three. These are uncharted waters. I'm just going to start throwing crap out there, and uh, we're going to see what happens. But no, seriously, there is a little bit of structure, just a little bit. So I want to kind of open things up this week by talking about all the extra scenes that we got that we have not already discussed. So... A few of them, I think, were actually just small things that were really important, and we'll get into those, but they were almost breadcrumbs that led you to the important plot points at the end of of the movie or the end of the story that, for me, felt like they kind of just came in out of nowhere sometimes, but we'll get to that. So let's start off with some Leia stuff, because we're starting right at the beginning on page six when she's talking about her time discussing her training with Luke, and she tells this story where she basically was floating upside down no hands on the ground even better than what luke was able to accomplish with yoda sitting on his foot on dagobah so my question is what does this tell us about the the raw power of the skywalker twins does this tell us that one may have been more powerful than the other good question luke leia and luke had different strengths for sure leia has a lot more discipline than luke did yes i think i think that's clear yeah and and i think also it's interesting whenever we talk about force power right like who's the most powerful is such a, a kind of a subjective point of view like some people are better with with using the force in the mind some people are better with just battle stuff i think this shows us one leia was maybe quicker picking stuff up because she was trained in a royal court like she was trained as a princess of Alderaan who had all these skills, and she was a politician at the time she was a kid. Like, she was really, really intelligent, while Luke was awesome, and I, he's my favorite Star Wars character. He's a farmer for his whole life. Like, he, he wasn't used to having to, like, use his mind to conquer a lot of problems. So if Leia was like, all right, think this, do this, she's probably like, oh, yeah, I know how to adapt. I know how to do stuff. So I think she was a really quick on the draw is kind of how I interpreted that. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Um, I mean, I think the amount of time that she even supposedly trained with Luke and got to the point that she did was was relatively short. I don't know that off the top of my head, but it felt short, right? Yeah, yeah, it was like it was less than a year, I think, as far as yeah. the timeline goes. And, and also, you know, we always hear about the the younglings going to the temple and they train and they train to become like superhero level Jedi. 
when you're an adult and you're learning this stuff, you you probably do, I assume, pick it up pretty quickly, right? Yeah. I mean, you're <clears throat> you're a fully formed person, like, right? You know, Luke Luke picked this stuff up faster than a Padawan because you probably learn stuff easier when you're 22 than you do when you're four, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's fair, debatable. <clears throat> Also, but, also yeah. Leia's a badass. Let us let us not put that to the she side. Is. She's incredibly she powerful. Is. And you know, you know what every badass needs is a lightsaber, and she had yes! one. Yes. And we got a little yeah, bit more story about that lightsaber uh, in this in this book. So we get Ray asking early on, like in the first ten pages, "Where's your lightsaber now?" And I felt like that was such like an important little breadcrumb for later, where it doesn't just feel like all of a sudden they're ripping it out of the wall of Luke's hut. Yeah, um, and we've never really heard about it before. But Leia talks about her lightsaber, and she talks about oh giving God, it to sorry. Luke. Charles, I just had the image. You know when Luke blows up the hut in the Last Jedi? What yeah. if he blew it up and the lightsaber went flying? He's like, "Oh shit!" And he had to <laughs> 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 find it. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm teaching you a lesson, but hold on, very important. <laughs> I forgot I left that there. Yeah, so it's been chilling in the wall of this hut, and it's because Leia gave it to Luke, right? And she says on page six again, I gave him my lightsaber, and I told him to pass it on to a promising student someday. And then it says Leia's voice had grown tight, and Ray sensed that she was holding something back. So my question is, what was she holding back? Who do you think the lightsaber was supposed to go to? Was it it meant for Ben? Uh, And if it was, why did it never make it to Ben? Why would Luke never have given it to him? Mm, that's a good question. Ooh. Maybe maybe Ben just didn't quite make it to that stage, right? Maybe it was yeah. supposed to be like he wasn't supposed to get it till the way he was ready or something like that, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. N- nailed it, man. I-, I think I think it's definitely supposed to go to Ben. I think that that's that's the beautiful, um, you know. I think that's the beautiful legacy of it all. Like all this is so much about legacy. It's like this was your mother's, now it's yours. Something that never happened before because you know Jedi being parents not a thing really supposed to be at least. But I think that maybe if Ben had completed his trials or whatever Luke had designed them as, he completes the trials, becomes a full Jedi Knight, and then he gets presented the ceremonial lightsaber of his mother. I assume that would probably be something pretty beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have been fantastic. So you think that that he just never made it to that point in his training? You think it could have had to do with the darkness that Luke was sensing in him as well? I wonder how much Leia knew about that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, because she, because she sensed. Uh, I might be wrong about this, but I, I do believe it was in maybe an aftermath or something like that, where Leia sensed her baby. I think I think it was aftermath. She like sensed the baby and sensed some kind of conflict or something in him at, mm. from a young age, and like, mm. I, I, again, uh, please in our chat, correct me if I'm wrong about this. Point it out, um, but. I believe that there was always something known about him. There was some kind of twist in yeah, there. Yeah. What about um? What about Snoke? Right. So like we got the Snoke comic, but it doesn't that the comic picks up as Ben's leaving the Jedi Order essentially, right? Like there's a lot of details in that that we don't really clarify. Like how how did they meet exactly? Like yeah. And how did uh how does Leia know about him? That's weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and, I, and I think that's gonna. I mean, again, I think that that stuff that. Maybe we'll Can't get filled be. in as time goes on. Explained. Maybe Probably not, not. <laughs> but <laughs> maybe not. not. But, but also, I, how did the how did the temple explode in that? I, I don't get a, it. You know, a giant a bolts of, of lightning out of nowhere when Kylo was really mad that I'm convinced was Palpatine from across the universe. Mm, makes Ooh. perfect sense. 
I like that. I'm just saying. But yeah, to round oh. out your to round out your, No, go ahead, Corey. Uh, I was just going to say, while we're talking about lightsabers, um, I really, I kind of wish they would have made more of a big deal of of uh, Ray getting Leia's lightsaber. Like we got the scene where like Luke gave her the lightsaber, and you know it's it's just your time to have it and stuff. But I really wish like that would have been mostly exclusively her weapon in like the final battles and stuff. Like it would have been symbolic. Like Luke's lightsaber was maybe never Ray's. You know what I mean? Like it was Ben's. Like I think, mm-hmm. but. Leia's lightsaber maybe belonged to to Rey in more ways, and yeah. maybe Rey claiming to be a Skywalker is less of claiming to be like Luke and more claiming to be like Leia. That's a pretty interesting. That is interesting way, way well, to look yeah. at that. And I think one of the things that the movie and the book, to an extent, also like does so well with the idea of legacy is all the all the metaphors. Like the saber lore is pretty deep in all of this. Like what saber goes to who. The fact that she puts. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. She puts Ben's lightsaber behind her back, or no, Luke's lightsaber behind her back to send to Ben through the Force connection. So, so Ben has Luke's. I think. Um, And then, so the final fight, she is holding Leia's, and Ben is holding Anakin and Luke's. So, like the final fight with Palpatine happens with Ben holding the Skywalker saga saber, and Rey is holding her master Leia's. So, like, I think that's a pretty cool. Encapsulation. Either way, it's cool. She could have passed either one, and it would have been awesome. I wonder if they will ever address why Leia's lightsaber is blue. I'm sorry to totally go off of this huge tangent, no, but we're, we're, essentially ta- we're essentially talking about the Luke Leia stuff in this, and like yeah. that little training scene that we got for two seconds was awesome. It's got a lot of really cool lore implications, yeah. I think. But like, why was her lightsaber blue? I wonder. Luke's second lightsaber was green. True. I wonder why she made it blue. And interestingly enough, in the uh, in the Art of the Rise of Skywalker review up right now on utini.com, um, in some of the concept art, uh, she has a pink blade as well. Like oh, so, wow. the the color of her blade <clears throat> changes as we go. Um, and also, I I feel like again, correct me if I'm wrong. I love crystal lore, but we still haven't gone into the differences between the colors that much no, in not really. canon. Like, other than thinking about it, basically everybody's lightsaber is blue. Anakin's, Obi Wan's. What color are Ahsoka's? One's green and one's... Well, she goes green, but then the new, the new ones she's going to get in Clone oh, Wars right. Season 7 are going to be blue. Those are blue. Why is it always blue? That's kind of weird. All right. Always blue. Always blue. Oh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Moving on. But yeah. But the more lightsaber choice. colors that we get introduced through like Jedi Fallen Order or mm-hmm. what have you, we're going to go back and watch the clone <laughs> or watch uh, Attack of the Clones. When they're all in the Geonosian arena and just be like, what is wrong with you people? Like, yeah, you're a bunch all of followers. It's blue. <laughs> it is. It really is. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, Ray gets the gold, which is which is her and the temple guards. So, like, to me, when I saw that, other than the gold being my favorite lightsaber color, uh, anyway, I, it, the idea that now she is a guardian of yeah. the legacy, a guardian of Jedi, like, that, that makes sense. Cheryl just brought up in the chat too that Leia's saber is is gorgeous, like the hilt. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, it's a rose it's, gold as well, and yeah. it's and it, the design wise, um, it's very like, similar to Ben's as far as just sure. the, the, oh, yeah, the yeah. hilt composition is is sure. really you can see the one to one, and mm-hmm. it is one of the ones where um, if Star Wars Celebration still happens in August again, uh, and if I really hope it does, I can definitely see myself going to Galaxy's Edge and getting uh, just drunk enough to buy that one. So that, that <laughs> that's that's very high on my list. Okay, well, we'll be uh, sure to do our part to make that happen. Um, thank you, but, thank you. 
<laughs> let's uh let's talk about the next really big scene that I would just you know what I would be upset if we didn't get to this. This was on page one nineteen when Kylo Ren interrogates <clears throat> Chewbacca and I mean oh. wow. The yeah, fact that, that this is not like a deleted scene on the DVD because there are no deleted <laughs> scenes, but like the fact that it's not out there for us to consume, oh my gosh, it was it was such a powerful scene. Um, just to kind of read just a couple of sentences from it, uh, he sensed the stab of fear from the Wookiee on Ray's behalf, and he smiled because he'd just been given his way in. Chewbacca loved the girl, and in time he would love her as much as he loved Han Solo. Thought that was pretty darn powerful. I didn't really appreciate the the strength of the connection between Chewie and Ray, but that really is what Kylo uses to get into his mind and then to interrogate him. Yeah, man, that was sick. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. Chewie's a great character, and he's really gotten a lot of love in the last few years. It feels like um, it seems like New Disney is like really really into uh, really into Chewie. Right? He had a lot of really great stuff in the solo film. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was his kind of origin story in some ways. <laughs> Um and uh, Ray and Chewie have had a ton of awesome stuff together. They kicked it off really strong in uh in the in Force Awakens even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you think like Chewie's who went to Octo with Ray, like they right. uh at the Battle of Crate they were flying together. Like it, it's <clears throat> it's the two of them a lot. Um, even in Battlefront, you know, the hero ship, you got Han and Chewie, and then you have Ray and Chewie's Falcon. You know, so I really I really love their bond and. This scene also, I think, is one you – know, a lot of people in the chat right now are saying, you know, we were robbed of this scene. I loved this scene. I agree. I think this was one of my favorite expanded slash deleted scenes, Charles, um, because it really let us see the one person still really alive. I mean, I guess Leia, but that had known Ben his whole life yeah, and knew him as a kid. And we think back to the Uncle Wanwo stuff in Last Shot with him and Lando, but like mm, Chewie yeah. was always around. Chewie was his buddy. Um, he called him Uncle Chewie in this book. Yeah, he references yes. that fact. And it's and it's so good because you know it's it's the only time we get to see Kylo slash Ben look at someone that he has known his entire life and really kind of be open and vulnerable. And I think honestly that this scene is is heart-wrenching and makes the later scene with him in the vision of Han even more impactful because of that. Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah, and so, I mean, we see a lot of the memories that Kylo goes sifting through, and he basically says he sees flashes of the Wookiee laughing with a much younger Han Solo than he himself oh. remembered. Felt Chewbacca's joy when his best friend married the woman he'd come to love like a sister, saw the Wookiee cuddling a human toddler, teaching an older boy to fly a speeder, Target practice with a young man, their blaster set on stun against a haphazard dummy made of rocks. Uncle Chewie, he'd called him back then. Oh, there's there's so much material here for like a young uh a young Ben Solo and the time that he did have with Chewie and that he did have with Han and Leia. That like that is totally yeah. unmined material that they tease in this book on several occasions. Well, and here's a question for you guys I just thought of. Uh, real, real quick, uh, Cheryl and Camilla talking about how manipulated Ben was, how much Chewie wanted Ben back. It It is so heartbreaking, guys. I completely agree. And do you guys think Kylo, I guess at this point, when they're in the desert in Pisana and he and Ray are fighting over the transport ship, and she she blows it up and she screams out, Chewie. Do you think Kylo had a moment of like, oh, my God, did 
does does he think Chewie's dead? And then when he finds out they have him as prisoner, before he goes to interrogate him, don't you think there's got to be just a moment of relief? Even as evil as he is at that point, he's like, oh, 100%. You know, and, and how does he, he feel he, about that? That has to be such he a hesitated, weird feeling. He hesitated when he killed everybody he loved. He hesitated yeah. when, uh, when he had to kill Han. He hesitated when he went to pull the trigger on the missiles on uh, Leia's ship on the bridge. Like, yep. I don't know. He, he's got good in him, obviously, and he's yeah. struggling with that. So, and I mean, just that moment where he's like, yeah. "Oh," because I think in the moment in Passana, he thinks he's testing Ray, and he's like, "This is to figure out how she's strong enough. We could take down Palpatine." And then he's like, "Oh my God, did I also just inadvertently kill one of my best friends from childhood?" And then to yeah. have to then recoup and like, you know, reconnect with the dark to to quote unquote torture him again, just. The, the, it, it 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 speaks to the like you're saying Charles and Corey the the strength of Chewie and Ray's relationship and more than that to me I think it speaks to even more of the conflict and horror inside Ben's head. It's yeah. so sad, man. Yeah, totally. It is, and you know to go to kind of the other major uh, moment in this book that I think again talks to that relationship between <laughs> Chewie and Ben. Uh, I'm going to go there, guys. On page 198, when Lando is back on the Falcon oh my and God, he finds scene. the hollow of Chewie and Ben uh, hiding oh. in basically Chewie's little little bedroom. Oh, and man. it says, Lando reached forward and flicked the hologram switch. An image of Chewbacca himself was projected onto the disc in soft blue. He held a small human child in his arms. Lando leaned closer. It was Ben, dark-haired, chubby-fisted. He kicked his legs and yanked on Chewie's fur, shrieking in delight. Chewbacca just cuddled him close, making a sound that was almost like a purr. Oh, man, it's heartbreaking. Uh, this, oh, God, I feel I it. Know. I feel it deep in yeah, my chest. This gave me someone chills, else to this talk. one. Uh, okay, th- this... God, th- this, this, is the th- this is the stuff when I talk about this film... Sometimes I talk about missing layups, and this is the kind of stuff I mean. Like, a layup, for our non-sports friends, a shot that is so easy that it's just going to go in. This kind of emotional thing with Lando walking on the Falcon and just giving a little flick, it's a layup. It's easy. It worked on all of us in two sentences. You know, and yeah. I think that's some of the brilliance of what Carson did with this book was was put more of those layups in. And she – So – Go ahead. Here's a question. What for you guys – what is the difference between these layups, I'll call it, as you're saying, mm-hmm. Eric, and just, like, fan service? Because there is, a, I think, a thin line, and I think you can go too far with it. I, I mm-hmm. These are emotional layups, mm-hmm. right? They're mm-hmm. not just – fan service is Luke lifting the X-Wing out of the – out of the uh, water with Yoda's music from the Empire playing. That's yes. fan service, all right? Um Han and Chewie rushing into the Falcon and saying we're home, that's not fan service, right? That's like an emotional intimacy that we feel with the characters that we know and love, right? So That was the greatest uh, moment of my life. Yeah, yes. it was incredible. Yes. Like I remember I can't I will never forget where I was standing when I saw the trailer for the first time and Han and Chewie and Han said that, right? Mm-hmm. Like like it was it's incredible. I mean it's these these small moments of emotion like this is what makes Star Wars so cool and multi generational and important and culturally important. It's like 
is it's like we feel a connection with the characters and if they can somehow relay the past into these new movies it, it draws multiple generations in because we have dads that can explain to their kids like that's lando because the kid's like why is he acting like this towards this image you can it gives you an opportunity to, to share something with somebody else and that's yeah. what star wars is about man so it's it's different than fan service in a lot of ways yeah i agree and I, and i think also that that kind of emotional layup can service the fans you know like it can still Mm -hmm. serve that purpose but i think it has to the characters have to be reacting honestly and they have to be doing something they would do in 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 character right so this kind of thing with lando of course he'd he'd be curious she wrote how curious he was to see this and how he's an old man now he's reflecting on everything he's lost that's a very earnest honest moment that also reflects things that fans love like you're saying Corey, um very eloquently i loved how you put that whereas some some other things are in there for the creators to say to the fans, see, don't you like this? And it doesn't have so much yeah. to do with the character. Sort of yeah. a follow-up question to that, too, as as well, since we're talking about fan service in general. Um, I personally don't really think that fan service comes across so obviously in, in literature. Do you guys yes. agree with that? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know what it is. It's something about we approach these books, I think, in a much more neutral fashion than I think we approach films. And I, I don't know why that is. There's just so many expectations you walk into a film with that, like, mm-hmm. when somebody does something or makes a small connection to an old book, we don't feel like it's fan service, even though eh, it kind of is. But what is actually fan service in a lot of ways? But I think it has to do with the speed that you consume it, too, is mm-hmm. because, like, you have to make, like, knee-jerk judgments from moment to moment when you're watching a movie. And that entire story is relayed to you in a matter of two hours, give or take. Yeah. And, you know, you read a book for me, I mean, over the course of at least a week or so, and you really sit with those moments and you take breaks and reflect on what you read. And I think that makes a big difference for me. Yeah, you can take that pause and be like, hold on, look up for a second, reread the sentence, flip back, go back and be like, oh, cool. You you can experience it. And it's also very intimate. Reading a book is an intimate one-on-one experience, which is also why I think people get really attached to audiobook narrators because Mm -hmm. you do feel like they are telling the story to you. When you're watching a movie, I feel like it's you're almost aware that the director is making a product at times for so many people, and you are just kind of one of the masses. So that's why I think the real good intimate moments work when you feel that small, soft connection, which is what books do without even trying, just by the nature of the medium. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, me too. Like and you know what? I so, like it so much that I'm going to take this point to cut us off. We're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to come back with the end of our talk about the Rise of Skywalker Expanded Edition. Be right back, guys. Hello, listeners of the Living Force Podcast. It's Heather here to smack you with another pop quiz. Ready? Listen closely. In which star system did Kanan and Hera first meet? I'll give you a hint. This fateful encounter happens in the adult novel A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller, which serves as a great segue into the show Star Wars Rebels. All right, starting the timer now. No cheating. Do you have your guess? Kanan and Hera first meet in the Gorse system, where the ex-Padawan went into hiding after Order 66. After many years of working for a mining operation, Kanan bumps into a cloaked Twi'lek with the most beautiful voice he's ever heard, and thus sparks their extraordinary relationship. If you love Star Wars Rebels or are watching it for the first time, join Eric and Charlie on their journey by checking out our brand new show, Ghost Crew. 
This Patreon exclusive show is available to Inquisitorious members and higher. That's your next mission. But first, back to whatever these other guys are talking about. Until next time. And we are back. Welcome back to part two. That was a great little break thing we had, I suppose. See, I haven't done the bit in so long, I forgot how I used to do it. It was so organic in the past. We were so like, young. So young. We were so good at what we did before this <laughs> happened. You're old. I blame Wes. <laughs> Charles, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're just talking about some of the greatest things from the novel that were not in the movie. So we're going to move on to page 224 when we get all of the fleets calling in for the final yes! battle at Exegol. You know, you know we had to talk about this. Oh, I think my God. Eric might have just short-circuited his mic there and Seriously. also blown a blood vessel in his right eye. But um, <laughs> So let's talk about who all calls in, guys. Phantom Squadron calls uh-huh. in. Yep. So this is Wedge's squad. Yep, from, a- uh, from the Aftermath books. From the Aftermath, that's right. Uh, the ghost calls in, and in the audio book, notably, it's a male voice that calls in from the ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, that's I right. Thi- I think so, but I also I could. Think. I, I uh, my my confession is I I don't love Mark Thompson's female work in this book in the audio recording. So I'm don't I'm, tell him we said that he's no, like no, our best friend. But I'm not a hundred percent sure because of that. You know, I'm not I'm not sure I what feel, he was necessarily going for. I think just from how he portrayed other females, I feel like he was portraying it more in line with how he was portraying males. But that was if my it's a take. male, then I think it is Jason Solo. Or Jason, uh, Jason Sindula. Solo? <laughs> yeah! Like, the hell? <laughs> no, I, I think it's a Jason Sindula if it's a, if yeah. it's a male. Yeah. It's got to I mean, be I Jason think, Sindula. I think which... that's what they're implying. Pretty yeah, cool. Yep. Just but fantastic. Awesome. Um, the Anodyne 2 specifically calls in, which felt pretty random, actually. The yeah. Anodyne 1 was the resistance medical frigate that runs out of fuel and falls back and then gets blown up <laughs> with the guy still on it. I was like, okay. Uh, yeah. I think they're like, oh flex, yeah, but okay. a, a, a last Jedi nod of like, oh yeah, something made it out of there. Yeah, uh, so that was cool. Uh, of course, we got Zay Versio. That's uh, big. I love how much big. love Inferno Squad has gotten in the last six months in the EU. That's so yeah. cool. For sure, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, we also got the Fireball with Kaz from Resistance. That was Who I'm not great. honestly very familiar with, but I'm no, glad he was either. included. Me too. I haven't seen the second season. Have you guys watched the second season yet? I, I haven't have seen not. the second episode. Yeah, <laughs> not my thing. But I'm so I glad the first that, season. It, that they put it in. I need to see the. I need to see the second season. Um, this felt like fan service to me, guys. I think Did this it? is yeah. allowed. 100%. This yes. is allowed. 100%. It's, it's really. It's really funny that we, like, we just had this whole conversation because I'm like, this was the scene in the book that I was like, ooh. Oh my god! I lost my shit in this scene. I, I'm not even surprised. This, this this is like this is why fan service is so interesting. It's because some fans freak the hell out when mm-hmm. you get it. They they love it and they eat it up and it's incredible. But other fans don't like it, and that's the yep. problem with fan service is that it's it's such a tryhard in my opinion that like it either totally works for a group or it totally doesn't. But I think that's also why you keep it small if you do decide, like cuz these call outs it's one line. I didn't like it. Cool, moving on as opposed to like you're saying exactly. a whole scene of fan service. You can't get out of it. Yeah. So like great going yes. back to <laughs> <laughs> Overall though, but hey, cool. whoa, we had Alphabet 2 as well, which we didn't mention yet. Did I skip there? that? Yeah. Yeah, the Alphabet Squadron shout out like that's when I was like, oh, my God. That's like 
Because I mean, everybody. I, yeah, obviously, as um, as, who is as, that? As, who is Alphabet Two? We don't know yet. We don't know their numbers. Oh, um, oh, okay. So I think that's, that's true. Because someone answer. tweeted that at uh, oh, was it Matt Martin or someone like probably Matt Martin? Everyone yells at him. Um, but they're like, doesn't this spoil <laughs> Alphabet Squadron? Or no, no, it was a Delray Twitter handle because they're like, doesn't this spoil Alphabet Squadron? And they're like, we told you. A person in Alphabet Squadron survives, so it's no spoilers for the series. But I'm like, what a cool thing to to keep that going and to kind of push that forward for the other book coming out. And that was the kind of synergy that we saw in Resistance Reborn that I thought was really cool. It, it, that, that's how it hit me with the Alphabet uh, mm-hmm. call out. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, um, finally got well, that. Maybe my favorite bit of questionable fan service was on page 240 when we got. The return of none other than Wicket, guys. Yeah, man. Wicket and his son. And I'm going to just read it quickly. It says, Wicket pointed toward the skies. A chunk of Star Destroyer fell like a fiery comet. See that? He said to his tiny son, Pomet, in Iwakis, which is adorable, by the way. Um, (laughs) Our friends did that. Princess Leia, Pomet asked, wide-eyed, for he'd heard all the stories. C-3PO? Wicket nodded. C-3PO. He agreed. He had no doubt the golden godlike one was responsible for yet another deliverance. <laughs> sure. That's incredible. Oh, you know, sure. It's beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. Warwick Davis is one of the most heartwarming individuals that's involved in Star Wars. Okay. Yes. Like, every single time he does anything to do with Star Wars, he's so humble about it, and he's so cool. Like, Warwick and Wicket are the same person to me. Like, yeah. so to, to get a Wicket scene in this like i'm sure somebody emailed this to him like like before it was published i mean like hey he's getting a, a scene in the book and warwick davis probably felt warm and buzzing inside because that's yeah. how he is and i love it it was yeah. a great scene was this like, wasn't this didn't feel like fan service at all to me i absolutely loved it yeah it was a little fan it was a little weird for me in the movie when they show up and i'm like okay i guess they're above endor but but again i think it, some things just work better i in think books. i i think i legitimately forehead slapped in the movie when i saw it that, that's okay <laughs> that's okay in the book it worked yeah yes the yes. scene with them in the in the bonus features with warwick and his son who actually plays the the child oh, yeah that was, was, so was really cool. good that was a really good little short documentary they did yeah that was awesome yeah i want to take a quick second here too to plug the skywalker legacy documentary i know i, th- I feel like we've talked about it on the show before but if you aren't a huge fan of the Rise of Skywalker, or you you're, or you're looking for a way to like enjoy it more, a Skywalker Legacy doc really does that super well because it does show you how intensely personal so many parts of this movie were. Even things that may not have worked out for you on the screen, when you see what happened behind the scenes, like like Warwick yeah. and his son being in a scene together. Or, like, the John Williams cameo is, like, cool, but then you realize they made over 40 individual props based on his Oscar movies. Like, it's yeah. that little stuff, and you see them hugging each other and having fun. It's what fun. makes Star Wars so cool. Yeah. It, it, it really helps with the perspective, I think, as a whole. Um, mm. So while what this book did for the content of the story, that documentary did for, like, the filmmaking, I think. Yeah. One hundred percent. You know, we should we should totally do one of the documentaries as our next watch party. I completely yeah. agree. That'd be so That'd be much cool. fun. Yeah. And there's actually I've I've found a, a much easier way to do it in Discord. So little tease. We'll be able to figure that out pretty easy. Mm. Mm. Cool. Sounds good. All right, y'all. There are a lot of other things that we could have hit just with the additional scenes, but we gotta move on to the next big section here. 
Uh, and I'm really just calling this all the new things we learned slash things that were clarified slash questions that we still have. Of course, when I say we, I mean me. All right, let's do this. <laughs> Page 22, with respect to the unknown regions, we get the quote, the Sith and the Jedi had found paths through to even more dangerous, more hidden worlds. So the Sith and the Jedi have done this. So mm-hmm. we know there's Exegol out there and only like the Sith can find that. Is there an equivalent uh, to a, a, an early Jedi world or somewhere out there that serves a similar purpose? That's a fascinating question. If only there was a new era of storytelling about the Jedi coming soon. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, we might learn something about it, but it's I've, something it's to just a, keep in hmm. mind. Yeah, I've never considered that before. The Sith always seem to survive all throughout history by going off on some forbidden planet beyond the Outer Rim. And it's always a new planet. It's been Korriban. It's been Exegol. Mm-hmm. It's been uh, what the hell is the planet in the, in the old Republic uh, MMO game? I can't remember what it's called. Um, they're always doing that. Why couldn't the Jedi do that? Maybe that's how they survive, right? Maybe yeah. the Jedi are not actually totally dead. I yeah. like it a lot. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, that's kind of what Octo was essentially to an extent. Yeah, just yeah. no no people with yeah. lightsabers studying the Force. But yeah, the, that'd be awesome. The caretakers just ports. seem to sweep things, so I don't actually know if they have any God, I any love the skills. caretakers. <laughs> the Jedi slaves, apparently. Frog people slaves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> page 45. C-3PO cannot decipher every language found in the sacred Jedi text. Okay, we learned that uh, Ray tried to get him to help, essentially, to decode some of the things that are in there that she still couldn't read, still couldn't understand. So does that imply that some of the things written in the ancient Jedi text might have been ancient Sith? Because we see later Maybe. that he can't decipher that. Ooh, uh, I'm going to say see, no on that. Yeah, C-3PO okay. just like, he comes right out and is like, I can't decipher it because it's Sith language in the film. So like, yeah. But I Why wouldn't think, he have just said that earlier? Yeah, because Anakin essentially programs 3PO with like a module he found or acquired, right? So it, maybe it's in a language so ancient that whoever created that module like didn't in- input that language, or it's never been officially written in the digital sphere, you know? Something like that? Mm, perhaps, maybe. Okay. I'll gotta buy. ask Beaumont Kin. That's who we I, gotta talk I will to. Say, I will say I was a big fan of that little entire little like small plot point that C-3PO couldn't decipher it because it was Sith language. That was cool. I really like that. Yeah. I like that just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So got to say that on page 50, we do get a Plagueis mention. Yeah, Um, that was cool. Yeah. I mean, by name. Um, And, you know, we already knew all of the information that was, that was shared with us, but it's some of Luke's notes. Um, I believe it was in the ancient texts that say that Palpatine was obsessed with the idea of living forever and that he had told Anakin that he discovered the secret to eternal life from his own master, Darth Plagueis. So we knew that story, right? The opera, uh, in revenge of the Sith, but you know, how did Luke get that information? Where did he get that info from? How does he know that Palpatine told, Anakin that because there wasn't exactly much time to chat about past things in Return of the Jedi. So does that mean that Anakin had some kind of journals that Luke may have accessed or does that mean that him and Anakin have just been force ghost chatting? Ooh. Wow, that's a very deep question. I don't know. I know. Very uh, Shit, quick, I've not even considered that. Have you quick, ever thought about the fact that Luke might have talked to his father in Force Ghost no, form for like years and years and years. Not until this second, but of Whoa, course I've, he did. 
I guess so. I mean, right? we have we yeah. have people talking to the dead all the time in Star Wars. So. He literally sees him at the end of Return of the Jedi. Why wouldn't he chat? Oh my gosh, I'm like getting wow. fuzzy inside, and it's not just the wine either. Like that would be sick to see, like in oh my book God. or something. Wow. Of course, we could get guys, mostly, hey y'all, but mostly hey Adam Dyson when you're listening. Um, we can get more canon Anakin content. More guys, holy smokes, we can get more Canakin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're you're off the or Anakin. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I had a guy, but like seriously, I I no, I never thought of that. But oh my god, that makes complete sense. It does make complete sense. He's been I, I can't, all the I Jedi. can't really think of any other way that would be that would be possible to be made canon without being totally retcon. Like right, and surely that's not just oversight. Like surely that had to be intentional to make that possibility. No, I I would also. This is my one soapbox. I'll get on whenever people. Whether it be us on podcasts, people on Twitter saying, "God, what a, what oversight that they've had." I can almost guarantee nothing is done in oversight. There are so many people whose <clears throat> livelihoods, salaries, and mortgage payments re- rely on Star Wars being cohesive. Right. I, I I don't think we're missing a lot. Um, True, but like. Yeah, also, Charles, you just broke also, me, man. This is like an A leads to B leads to C kind of thing, though. So this is not like a. Oh, it's obviously canon now. Yeah, that's yeah. how it works, right? right, you gotta, right. It's got to be spelled out pretty blatantly for us to say, all right, this is definitely canon. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It but does. man. It does. But you know what is blatant? On page 131, when Zori Bliss does not recognize Kylo Ren by sight, yet knows him by name. And I thought that was incredibly interesting. Like, that's yes. just a little thing that was thrown in. But, like, what, is that, what does that mean the general public has in terms of understanding of first order leadership like did people just know that snoke used to be supreme leader and then how was the transition to kylo ren explained like to the public or does just no one have any idea who's leading the whole galaxy dude it's it's just rumors man i mean you got you got you got like soldiers that are going to bars and stuff and like they 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 get their winch Wes, that's for you. You get their winch and they, you know, they whisper little pillow talk secrets, right? So, like, yeah. everything, there's no such thing as, like, everything's a well-kept secret in Star Wars, especially when it comes to enormous militaries, because, like, that's always been a thing. And it also is kind of, sorry to take two points here, but it's also kind of like Darth Vader in a lot of ways. Like, nobody knew who exactly who Darth Vader was. Yes! What his power 100%. was, what his role yeah. was, but, like, everybody yeah. knew Darth Vader. And, like, even if you had never seen him before, like... Actually, it's mentioned in multiple books. It's actually mentioned in Lost Stars specifically. It like, is. Yeah. yeah like I just not... read that part today. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. so they've never seen Darth Vader before. They knew who he was as soon as he walked in the room. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like, you know, it's like porn. I don't know it, but I know it when I see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a deliberate is... quote from a, from a politician. <laughs> Thank you, Wes. <laughs> you, the cultured one of this podcast, you and I. Isn't that pr- that was from a Supreme Court hearing? Yes, yeah. it was. Okay. All right. I know things too, guys. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, page 140, the scene where Poe, Finn, and Chewie are captured by Hux, and Hux is about to shoot them. And in the film, Chewie roars. But in the book, it tells us that the roar meant that Chewie complained that he was going to die hungry. And I thought that was just... The most chewy thing of all time. Absolutely. So I had to bring that up. Gotta eat. Chewy's a smart ass in the books. He always has been. He is. Oh, yeah. yeah he really is. Uh, also, real um, quick, uh, shout out. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm looking in the chat here. Occasionally, try to keep up. You guys are having awesome conversations. Uh, Cheryl mentioned about the Kylo Ren thing. The propaganda machine keeps everything close to the chest. Mm, I think that's, that's interesting. 
Because I yeah. think and as as time goes on, we're going to learn a lot about First Order propaganda because Empire propaganda was all political and was like the government hiding things, which which is a totally different from a like extremist group of the First Order propaganda machine. So I'm, I'm interested in a lot of the auxiliary materials we might get as we go on to kind of see how the First Order did their propaganda. So really great point. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so... You know, we're chatting about Hux. Let's talk about his death on page 155. And I have this quote. His last thought was of the scavenger. He hated that girl. She'd ruined everything. Yet over and over again, she had faced Ren and survived. It gave him one bright, shining spark of hope against the oncoming dark. Ren might still lose. I thought that was so cool, so interesting that his last thought was actually of Rey. Yeah. And I just, I had to question what would Hux have thought if he saw how Kylo Ren turned out? He would have been so pissed, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would have been, like, totally vindicated. He'd be like, this is why we should never have listened to this asshole. This entire time, I've been trying to tell all you a-holes, this guy is who you chose to follow. That's exactly what it would freaking be like. Yeah. Yeah, and he would have killed the Knights of Ren. He would have watched him and been like, oh, come on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Are you exactly. kidding me? Yeah. I think that's fair. He would, and he would have whined, and whined, and then he would have gotten shot by someone else. Like, it yes. would have been short I also would like to say that I felt like this entire little scene was a good, was a was a much better end to Hux as a character than what we got in the film with him just getting shot and killed off, and that's it. Like, it was abrupt. It was. It was, abrupt. It was yeah. Well, I mean, if there's anything that we can say about the rise of Skywalker, it was <laughs> it, it was, was abrupt. A... Like, <laughs> if the movie has a three word summary on utini.com, it's it was abrupt. Like, for real. <laughs> Oh, very true. Uh, All right, let's talk about page 196. We get the reveal that the Falcon's cape closet was converted into Chewie's first mate bunk. This is the first time I realized this. this, Was this new information, that it was actually Lando's cape closet became Chewie's bedroom? I I think we knew that the cape closet got turned into um, the... The the maintenance hallway that where Han and Leia kiss in Empire, because mm-hmm. like the, the same place Han and Kira kiss is where Han and Leia kiss. I know that. Um, but after that, the fact that they converted it into bunk storage, I thought was really cool, because yeah. it honestly showed a lot about the evolution of Han, how yeah. he allowed extra bunks to be built into right. his ship, which kind of let him like, it it really spoke to how he was setting down roots and had a family and stuff. So that that was pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And Charles, I got to steal your thunder a second here. I really want to talk about the point we just we just skipped over. Oh, all right. Let's do it. About General Pride. Because I actually, yeah. I think I brought this up to you guys in Slack or something, that he had been working with the Sith fleet and with Palpatine his entire career. Like, and there's a scene in the book where he's talking to Palpatine. We saw the scene where he's talking to Palpatine in the movie, but it's not made clear in the movie that this is not the first time he's talked to Palpatine in the book. It's made very clear that he's, he's had multiple conversations. It's just one line in the movie where he says, I'll serve you now. Like I did in the old wars or something yeah. like that. Yes. Like but I did book, not make that. Did you guys make, clear. did you guys make the connection to the film at all? Like I definitely I, didn't. It, I didn't realize that it meant, I knew it meant he was loyal to Palpatine. I didn't know that it meant, though, that he was literally the dude in charge of, like, all this crap happening yes. out on Exegol with, like, yes. the the final yeah. order and all that. Like, he was intimately involved in that. Yeah, I thought it meant that he was, like, you know, a background player in Return of the Jedi. Like, oh, he right. was with the Empire and was, like, a loyalist. Because in the Aftermath trilogy, 
we we've we knew we saw a bunch of them and i'm like okay that makes sense but the fact that he mm-hmm. was that he knew that yes. palpatine was alive the whole time that was a really yes. cool revelation like, have you ever seen one of those movies where like it will freeze in the middle of this of the scene for like a split second and pop up some text on a scene like yes. you know i'm talking about like yep. it's yeah. like remember yeah. this is a true story or something like that yeah. like i feel like the rise of skywalker in the book could all be like meshed together with a whole bunch of those scenes. Like, yeah. like it freezes right there and is like, oh, by the way, he's been working with Palpatine the whole time. Everybody's like, oh, oh. I get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that was cool. A solid, a solid upgrade for Pride, who I do think, objectively speaking, um, is is super well portrayed in the film. He was honestly one of the characters I thought came out of the film looking really good. Yeah, as far as maybe goes. maybe my favorite character out of this. Well, Zori totally. Bliss is probably my favorite. My yeah. like what he's in my top three easy of new characters in this film is, yeah. is General Pride. He was great. I'll agree there. I'll agree there. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's jump ahead to page two hundred when Ray is talking about rebuilding Luke's X-wing before she flies it away from Octo, and she mm-hmm. says it was old tech and it had taken some fast thinking and even faster fingers to get it flight worthy. The wing patched with the door to Luke's hut. Shield panels scavenged from the tie wreckage and a hefty amount of rewiring. So we finally get the answer, or at least they address that it was in fact address. part of the X Wing was Luke's was it's Luke's rec- hut door. It's, it's retcon. Took it, it back. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. just just show her in the film like carrying the door on top of the thing with with a little wrench. Like, j- just show us that she did something because that's that's all they needed. I mean, I thought is it a little wonky? Yeah, is it an obvious retcon? Sure. Does it now make sense going forward? Yep. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad we got it though, because that was yeah. one of the big questions that people yeah. had coming out of the film, that which is like, nitpicky. That was but, one of the one know. of the first small nitpicky, like kind of big picture canon things that I saw about this film. Is like, what about the door? <laughs> yeah. What about the door? It was all it was the door. How could you fly with the door? Like, yeah. it was on Reddit a lot, and I was like, eh. Oh my god! Was, Real yeah. quick, in the chat, there's been this giant conversation about the fact that. Big old Chewy got a closet to sleep in, and then Camilla makes a great point. It was Lando's cape closet, so it was probably the biggest room on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> That's one hundred percent true. That thought did occur to me when I was reading the book too. Is like, yeah, the cape closet was big, but we saw the full closet in Solo, and it wasn't that big. Like, maybe not even Chewy size. So I, yeah, I don't, man. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. We'll see. All right. Well, page 229, this is something I thought was really interesting. It's talking about when Ray finally breaks through, you know, into whatever realm it was to start hearing the voices of all the past Jedi. Mm-hmm. And it says, the battle above disappeared. Instead, Ray saw a perfect sky, vast with stars, peaceful, light-filled. It was like she was staring through a window to somewhere else, a place between places. <laughs> and the phrasing there cannot be accidental, Holy right? Shit. Like it's, they're, yep. they're referencing a world between worlds, right? They got yes, absolutely, Jesus. excellent catch. I did not notice that at all. That's in, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah that's. I don't be, even know exactly what it means. That's got to like, be some kind of it's amazing. reference. Yeah, I mean, it honestly speaks to. The idea of, you know, uh, we, we've said before that we think they're going to put this story to bed for a while and then go to the High Republic, go to other places before they revisit Ray and all that stuff. But I think this opens the door for the future of Ray looking for the world between worlds and trying to discover and try to reopen that. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah. It also kind of puts into perspective, like, 
both Ray and Palpatine and this entire Rebels arc in which they go to the world between worlds really puts it into perspective like how close Palpatine actually came to complete and utter conquest. Oh like, yeah. Multiple times. Like that episode of Rebels career. where he almost makes it into the world between worlds. Yes. Uh coming I don't know, I guess at this rate, in about a year and a half or two on Ghost Crew, um, like, is is terrifying. Yes. Like, in the entire premise that Ray is able to possibly access this mm-hmm. thing is, and was, like, for a split second there, maybe considering <laughs> allowing Palpatine to take over her body and be Empress of the Empire, like, shit, man, Palpatine came close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the day, does- guys, let, let's give it up for Palpatine. You know what, buddy? <laughs> you did get destroyed multiple times, but you you, you tried your best. He's powerful. Well it's done. Pl- it's, it's not about it's... it's not about how many times you fall down a giant reactor shaft. It's about how many times you get back up again. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're not wrong. All right. So last thing I want to touch on here, and guys, then I have to run the quickest list of Easter eggs of all time. But page two thirty one. This idea that that was new, I think, to this book of Ray throwing ideas and memories and feelings at other Force users, I thought was really cool. Um, it's not necessarily made clear in the in the film, but in this book, we see her like throw the memory of Kylo killing Han at him. Like it's that's kind of the verbiage they use. She oh, threw yeah. it at him. Um, well, yeah, I, yeah, okay. you know, it I happens. That. Yeah, it happens multiple times, and then it kind of all culminates at the very end when we get the quote: um, "She gathered her strength, her faith in the Jedi past, her love of her friends, and she thrust it all at the Emperor." And yeah. I just think it's a really cool new Force power that you don't even it necessarily <clears throat> know exists if you don't read this book. Yeah, yeah, and let me draw a very interesting parallel for you because I've actually always had a problem with with this. So. The dark side of the Force is very easy to explain, right? You draw on your anger. You draw on your hate. Like, you pull from this pool of sort of resources that you have in in the dark side to use, right? The light side doesn't really have that necessarily, Mm -hmm. right? It has this... Instead of drawing on something, you put things down, right? You you bring your mind to peace, and and you come to terms with things. Like that's what that's what being a light side all is, is all about. Like at least yeah. up to this point, what has been explained, like, but this is a much better way to put it. And maybe where the Jedi were wrong, right? Like, yeah, is is Ray doesn't just try to like put down her feelings and her emotions. She actually tries to draw from something that she she gains like positive vibes from, yeah. which is sick. You know what it reminded me of? Positive it, vibes it, it's uh, <laughs> pos- positive vibes only. Give uh, me your positive vibes. <laughs> I just need your positive vibes. It reminded me a lot Ray of is actually send me your Jamaica. thoughts and prayers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, no. Uh, but what I did feel this reminded me of of Harry Potter. Where he's in the graveyard and all the and all the ghosts of his loved ones are like oh, giving him yeah. the power to fight yeah. Voldemort. That's great, yeah. Yeah, like it's it, it's again another giant sci-fi franchise and fantasy franchise that's like, hey, the love of the people that have gone before you is what gives you power and strength. And I'm like, hell yeah, awesome. Yeah. I like it. It's it's the future of the Jedi. It has to be because yeah. the Jedi yeah. are folly, right? Luke is not wrong, like. It's 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 said over and over again through the Clone Wars and everywhere that the Jedi suck. Okay, <laughs> and Rey yeah. is the future of the Jedi, and this is this is how they go forward. I think is by relying on love and 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 passion for for their friends and and yeah, not just 
laying down and neutralness and because yeah. the Jedi were never neutral, they, they no. thought they were, but they were they full did of what's shit, right, so. yeah. And, and I think it's acknowledging that and accepting that fact, and then pushing forward. I completely agree. And this and this is a way of making that tangible. One hundred percent. Great catch, Charles. Thank you, sir. All right, it's time for Easter eggs. There are quite a few, and I'm just going to run through them rapid speed because we're not going to have a part four of the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> are you sure? Table. So, are you sure, Charles? No. Um, so just <laughs> jump in, guys. Honestly, whatever you want, just interrupt me because this is going to be this is going to be rapid fire. So, page five. Leia says, "Can you feel it now? Reach out." The exact verbiage that Luke uses in the Last Jedi when he's talking to Rey. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. <clears throat> yeah. Um, says, page 26. It says a lot for how Luke perceives the Force to me. Like, Yeah. Because re- he had to reach out to get it, right? Maybe Leia didn't have to do that. Well, yeah, the dark side is reaching in. The light side is reaching out. Mm. Oh, put that on a T-shirt. Damn. Okay. <laughs> um, page 26. Uh, the contraption that Palpatine is wearing, we learn, is called an omen harness, and it's a mechanical spine once worn by an ancient Sith king. So that is actually a massive callback to 1994's Tales of the Jedi comic series. Damn! Uh, Omen. Yeah, if you want to see Omen, you can actually go read Tales of the Jedi, the Freedon Nad Uprising. And he was basically a Sith. He was a descendant of Freedon Nad. um, And he was also the king of Onderon. And he had to wear this giant mechanical exoskeleton that was a giant life support device because his body was decaying from his study of the dark side. And so wow. if you want to learn about the, the lore behind this harness, go and check out some legend stuff. Maybe uh <clears throat> maybe, you know, Legends Look Back can can help us with some of those details. Awesome. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um page thirty one we get the quote, still it was better than sand. So sand still sucks. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> the apparently never um, ending Star Wars joke. Hashtag stand, sand still sucks. <laughs> Continuity. <laughs> Uh, page 40 kylo is regarding the knights of ren and he says calling them together again had been unexpectedly and perhaps uncannily easy that accepted him without question saying the results of his trial years ago still stood he remained their rightful leader and that's a direct reference to what we just saw in the rise of kylo ren Mm -hmm. comic series when he uh spoiler alert well i won't even say it he passes his trial that's what i'll say so go and check that out read the rise of kylo ren trade paperback coming in the next month or two yes um, all right, we learn that Sarasian iron, which is the toughest ore in the galaxy, is what was used to fix uh, Kylo Ren's mask. And that element is actually something that was first mentioned in the novel Night Errant, when a Sith wanted to take over the planet of Sarasia to gain access to that metal. Did it? So, wasn't Night Errant written by John Jackson Miller, who we was. had the pleasure of interviewing Twas. on a previous episode Twas. of the Living Force podcast? It was. Yes. How it weird. Was. Yeah. Full circle. Full also, circle. I gotta say, there are a lot of strongest metals in Star Wars. <laughs> well, yeah, Corey, actually, true. the strongest metal <laughs> is vibranium. Um, if we you have, are choosing oh metals. my god, it's what's uh, there's something that's like vibranium that vibro swords are made of. I forget what it is. We have that one from the Kotor series. We have Beskar from the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, it's it's vibrosordium. Yeah, yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we have this Arasian iron and whatever the uh, what's that creature. In uh, Clone Wars, you know, with the multiple arms, the Godzilla plot. Zillow oh, Beast. The Zillow Beast. Godzilla, Zillow Beast. Never made that connection. Wow, Clone Wars. Okay. Uh, whatever that thing is made of, that's going to be the It's made of title. Zillow and friendship. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Corey, Corey Love is the strongest metal in Star Wars. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. Okay, page 53, uh, Leia is referencing Holdo, and um, she says that between DAC and uh, Maz Kanata, there was the occasional day when Leia could almost forget her grief over losing Amlin Holdo. Almost. And I thought that was a lot nicer of a callback uh, than we got in the movie with just Beaumont talking about pulling a Holdo maneuver. That was so stupid. Oh, my God. I hated that line as an attempt to cover up for why that didn't work. Also, we should just pull some Holdo maneuvers. Come on. Let's just yeah. pull them. Like, Side note, yeah. uh, Leia Come Princess on. of Alderaan by Claudia Gray uh, has her and Holdo as teenagers, and it's awesome. So get more Holdo in that yeah. book. Very good. Also, I want to point out that the chat is like literally not even listening to us right now. There's this huge debate <laughs> happening. <laughs> Whether Tatooine okay. should be the end of the scene. It's fantastic. I love it. It's self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> All right, page 62, Leia talking about Rey. She says, that girl might be their last hope. And that's a total reference to Obi-Wan's comment to Yoda yes. about Luke and Empire yep. when he says, Loved that it. boy is our last hope. And great. Yoda says, no, there is another. Excellent. So great callback there. Yep. And the um, audience goes, um, wait, what? And then waited three <laughs> years. <laughs> All right, um, in page 64, we see the quote, when Hux finally took his rightful place as supreme leader, the first thing he'd do was make Ren cut off his hair. Oh, my God. And that's God. not an Easter egg. That's just amazing. That was hilarious. Yes. I loved it. I loved how much he hates his long hair. It's, it's so, so great. Ridiculous. It's and if you guys regulation. have seen... If you guys have seen the the pictures of uh, Adam Driver when he was a Marine, when he had like his head shaved, yeah. just picturing <laughs> that is hilarious. That's fantastic. Oh my god! So, all right, wow. uh, page ninety two, we get a Hapabor reference, guys. Mm-hmm. It says that the Vexus or the giant snake creature was more massive than a Hapabor, and that's the creature that, of course, was drinking from the watering hole with Finn in the Force. Wow, Awakens. that's a great. So one. that's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, page one fourteen. Ray still calculates the portion value of things that uh, she finds, and that's that's just sad. Childhood it, it, trauma. Good callback. Charles, have you have you studied aces in medicine? Like you have these childhood adverse childhood events. I think is what it stands yeah. for. That's yeah. this is what Ray is experiencing. Yeah, and it also reminds me of like if you grew up slash still live in the place where ever you go to a if you grew up without money, you go to a restaurant, and you always look at the price first before the food. It's like it's like a thing I don't think ever goes away. That's what that made me think of. It's trauma. Ray yeah. is traumatized. <laughs> she is, man. Yeah, that's safe to say. Um, One quarter right. portion. <laughs> All right. So page uh, one thirty one. Zori calls Poe a nerf herder. So that's classic. Yep. Great classic. to see that come back. What is that equivalent to in English? You think nerf Move herder? Milker. <laughs> 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 all right, we don't, have, we don't have to recover from that. Just great. move on. Uh, all right, page 171. Our Lord and Savior, Bail Organa himself, is yeah. mentioned. Yeah. Had to bring that up. Um, page 179, we get a scene with Babu working on a battle droid, so we get some prequel prequel love there. Yeah. Also, probably uh, a little bit of a reference to Mr. Bones in the aftermath trilogy. Definitely. I would think. Yeah, I would definitely say um, so. One of the so most popular cool. droids, I think, in New Canon is Mr. Bones. For Damn sure. right. Yeah. For sure. Uh, page 182, Poe, uh, he says, suddenly a memory of Leia popped into his mind clear as day, and he imagined her voice so deeply and profoundly, it was almost like she was standing right there. Failure is the greatest teacher, she said. Holy so, shit. obvious callback to, to Yoda, right? The greatest yep. teacher failure is. That Luke my, had definitely taught um, it to her. I loved that. Yeah, I yeah, loved that's that. My, uh, that's well, my... Well, Leia that's my... also... 
Sorry, go ahead, Corey. That's my favorite scene in the entire. <laughs> I can't even recover. That's my favorite scene in the uh, in the Last Jedi is everything yeah. with Yoda yeah. that happens. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it might not have come through Luke. Um, just to make a point, we do also get in this book that Leia did commune or at least hear the voices of both Obi Wan and Yoda occasionally. Great so point. So it could have come from Great Yoda. Point. Um, all right, and now. Um, Page 194, it's the last one I've got. Poe does mention his parents, uh, Sharabay and Kes Damron. So mm. good callback to a whole lot of different things that we've seen them pop That's up right. in, but Aftermath and all of those things. Shout also, the, the, the Poe the po timeline totally makes sense, by the way. like yep. People have like gone online and like explained it all, so stop bitching that you know, Poe could have been a spice rooter because yeah. he totally could and you're stupid. So And real quick that? on that and note whole too. Book is coming. Yeah, That's because because right. we have a look at uh Poe Dameron Freefall coming out later this year. Um I wanna yeah. we didn't really get a chance to talk about it, but all the all the extra Zori Bliss Spice Runner content, A plus. Yeah. Loved that. Oh, for sure. Like we had to We're gonna see some of those characters, I think come back right yeah in like oh, a prequel yeah. form. That's the crew in Freefall, I guarantee I, I I'm I'm assuming she was probably talking with Alex Segura um about it as she was writing this novel because we all know how collaborative the authors are so uh i would guarantee we're gonna get more of that and if that is a tease of the kind of zori bliss content we're gonna get later in august sign me up she is awesome yeah 100 percent. yeah um agreed so guys that's that's kind of the last reference uh or easter egg that i really caught we just ran through so much stuff that was some great conversation it's probably my favorite actually of the three parts that we've done so far. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for, thanks for bearing with me and yeah. making it through all three parts, but we, we have to do what we always do and we have to close this out, go back around and re-rate this book and give any final thoughts that you have. Um, so I don't even remember. It's been like almost a month <laughs> since we rated this book. I have no idea what we did, I have no but, idea. um, Let's, Corey, let's, just, let's just skip the score part. I can tell you that my score is not going to have changed after the last. It didn't I, change. I don't even know what it would. I don't know. What well, my no, score no. Would have been. Well, that's why we can't skip it. You got to say objectively and objectively, objectively? How, how how are you going to score it? Now? Shit, man. I don't know. Like seven, seven and a half, maybe something like that. Lock it in. Lock it in. Hell. Oh my god. <laughs> seven point four. Okay. I would give the book. Yes. Overall, I felt like the book was uh, an improvement over the movie, but the movie was also kind of bad. So okay. there is, <laughs> there is that. There is that. Yes, it's Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Don't think I'm being negative, folks, on the show. Like I, I love the, I love the film, and I will grow to love it in its own right. Just like I felt after the Last Jedi, it's going to take me a little while to get over the political community feeling surrounding the film. It's probably going to take a couple of years before I can look back on it much more pleasantly, which is the way it is for most memories, yep. just in general. So there we go. Okay. All right, Eric. What you got? Uh, I'm probably gonna go. Let's go 8.5. I'll, I think that's about what I gave it at the first time. But I really think this was such a unique experience in, again, kind of adjusting my my thoughts about a movie slash showcasing how you can really um, add some extra content to elevate something. You know, because after uh, some other novelizations that didn't add enough or didn't yes. do extra stuff, it's I think good. this did a really great job with it. Uh, again. Some of the plot stuff I was not a huge fan of. Um, I think the pacing in the beginning things a bit work. I would have liked it to be a bit longer. But after our three conversations about it, I realized there's so many things I really loved. There's so many things that I really keep thinking about. And Ray Carson is one of the period, best period, writers period that we have in Star Wars right now. Absolutely. Um, so 8.5 yeah. easily. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I will. I will adjust my comment to say that Ray Carson was the absolute gem of this entire book. Is yeah, is the fact that she was able to do so much with what I will dare say was so little. Like both the content of the film itself, and also, let's be honest, probably the short leash that she was on through Del Rey and Lucasfilm and that sort of thing. Like, sure. I mean, it, and it's not any fault of necessarily Lucasfilm, Del Rey, or Ray Carson, but like, you know, when you make a book of a movie, it has to line up pretty significantly. You know, the one dramatic exception we have to that in Star Wars is the Revenge of the Sith, but like, that's never going to happen again. Nope. Because that was that was Lucas again. signing off personally, so that's an exception. It was. That was a special exception. So, you know, I, I think the book was a, definitely a vast improvement over the film. Like the Easter eggs are fantastic. Like Carson definitely did her research. Like mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta, I gotta tell you, man. Like the amount of research that the authors clearly put into these books is utterly incredible. Like, yes. like, like we have a flipping Star Wars website and <laughs> podcast and have written thousands of words about star wars and i don't recognize these easter eggs so like right. like they have to go into so many so much depth to to find this type of stuff and it's impressive and it it shows how much they're dedicated to it the only thing that i wish is that we could get some sort of behind the scenes documentary about the authors working on all these books like we do the films we can truly oh. appreciate just how passionate yeah. they are about it yeah it'd be, cool. be cool just like a, just like a live stream of her at her desk being like probably pretty cool, <laughs> like yeah 100% it'd be great Charles? All right. Uh, let's hear from Wes. Wes, oh, Wes. You, you scored it. You scored it, I think, the first time through, so I want to hear what you have to say. I give it an 8.7. Um, mm. Probably, strong. Yeah, strong, probably because strong. this was my uh, first novelization of a film that I've read. Um, oh, so wow. it, was, it was fun reflecting back on the scenes that I had watched and then reading them and then seeing those extra scenes. So I think that kind of skewed my uh my rating in a sense but uh i still think it was pretty good since i guess it biased towards my first novelization read hey that is okay there's something wrong with first loves all right (laughs) not at all not at all that also brings up a really good a really the really good point that we've harped on over and over again in this show is that novelizations are very cool right you got to check out some of the novelizations because they always add something to the film and like it's always interesting to hear people talking about what it's like to read something that they've watched for the first time. So, for sure, strong work. Agreed. Wes. Yeah. And so, just to round it out, I'm I'm gonna go eight point four. I don't remember what I did last time. I don't know if that went up, down, stayed the same. But that's what I'm gonna say now. And uh, anyone who's listening and and has recently heard the old episode, then maybe you can tell us how that <laughs> kind of ended up. But overall, I mean, fantastic. Really enjoyed this read. I think you guys are absolutely right in terms of saying that um, this is what novelization should do. It expanded things. It made me love the story more. It made me feel more connected. And I think that it's actually uh, Ray Carson did more than a lot of other authors have done just judging from what she had to work off of, which y'all alluded to as well. So that'll do it, y'all. Three parts, three weeks, 52 episodes. Here we are. The yeah. end of the Rise of Skywalker novelization. I don't, know, uh, I don't know how the community feels, but three episodes felt like a lot to talk about. <laughs> it did. Talk talk about a book. But yeah. but I think it worked out and, and uh I am Yeah, I feel good about it. I feel good about it. Overall. And I and I'm excited we got to put three into it. Again, uh in future books we're gonna go back to our two episode formats. 
Um, but I think that this one, because of everything surrounding it being the last saga film, the last saga novelization, it was we, we had to do it. 100%. But we are going to be back next week with, again, an all Q&A segment. So if you are hanging out in that Discord, head over to our Living Force podcast Discord channel. Put your questions in there. We're going to be putting those together throughout the week. Um, yeah. You can also email us questions. Uh, you can send them to me personally if you want to. It's Corey at utini.com. Um, we also have uh, Twitter. Reach out to us on Twitter. Shoot us some questions there. Um, you know, just because we, we harp on our Discord a lot, guys, but, you know, just because you're not on our Discord does not mean you cannot participate, right? No, so not at please all. Please send us questions. Send us stuff you're interested in. Um, it feels like a cop-out in some ways to, like, just have a questions episode. We have a ton of really great questions from our last episode that we still have stocked up that we can easily touch on that are fun stuff to talk about. So um, I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be a fun episode, and it'll be a nice sort of change of pace after we've been busting through roundtable after roundtable. So I think it'll be good. Absolutely. So you can send them to CoreyUtini.com. You can send them to LivingForcePod at Utini.com, at LivingForcePod on Twitter. We will get your questions. We're so excited. But on that note, friends, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you're new, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Tune in every single week to hear us at Utini talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. If you want to buy this book or any other book and want to help support this show, look up your book on Utini, click the Amazon link on your profile, and we'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on. If you want to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon.com slash Utini or on TeePublic where our shirt designs are live. If you are an Inquisitor tier or up in our Patreon, head over there right now to join us for Aftermath, our exclusive after show where we're just going to be hanging out, shooting the shit a bit. If you are already on Patreon, now is the time to upgrade. If you're not yet an Inquisitor or up, you got time to make it into that live Aftermath after show where we're going to talk Star Wars and hang out every single week after our live show. A special thank you to Drew Aberando and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council and Timothy Dunlap, Ross Orlando on our Alliance High Command for your amazing support. You can find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Hankel. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor. Freddie, our producer. Wes, our community manager. Thanks to Corey, Charles, Wes for podcasting with me. And as always, may the Force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.